Hey listeners, just a heads up, we do deal with some delicate Christmas talk this week involving our favorite fella in the red coat and pants. So maybe skip this one with your kids and just listen to it when they're not around. And let's keep the magic of Christmas alive. Thanks, guys. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell them that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 366 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm not looking forward to tonight. I'm not looking forward to talking to you. You're Tom. I'm Tom. Oh, crock of crap. You're totally looking forward to talking to us. Not this movie. I really don't think it's it's going to be contentious. It was a terrible think she. I think she was talking to me. It was talking to Anthony. Sorry. I always look forward to talking to y'all. Always. But welcome to the first episode of year four, y'all. Hopefully this is portends things to come. Yep. You're by yourself on this one. Why would you you hope this is a, why? Because he likes this movie. Do I, or was I trolling? Find out in a little bit. I'm hoping you're trolling. You have to have been trolling. There's no way you weren't. How was your week, guys? It's good. It's been a good week. I don't know been painting my grandma's deck so we've been outside it has not been blazing hot and it's been all of us as a family working together which has been awesome isn't that fun yeah really cool i love it it's been great and we have been playing so much uno i got the card shuffler (gasps) you got one the video of the baby playing playing was so adorable so I'm going to brag a little bit on him, which will transversely be the opposite of bragging on my nine-year-old because my three-and-a-half-year-old is an incredibly much better loser than my nine-year-old is. Like the kid just likes to play the game. Like he doesn't care if he has to draw four. He thinks it's exciting because he gets more cards. Basic misrepresent- Like a basic misunderstanding of the game Uno, but – there's another game he loves. He loves shoots and ladders, except it's ladders and snakes, snakes and ladders. Same thing, right? He loves to play that game at his great grandma's house. And if you knock him and send him all the way back to the start, he doesn't care. He just gets excited about it because he gets to play longer. <laughs> That's adorable. And I'm like, dude, if you will just always stay like this, that'd be really awesome because my nine-year-old is like the worst game player ever. Everything's rigged. Nothing ever goes his way. <laughs> uh, so, sounds like playing a game with me. Which one? Which one do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Which one, Tom? Is everything rigged? Everything is rigged. Every, specifically, Monopoly. <laughs> Monopoly. The, the last time I played, 
I went bankrupt. I had no friends. No one was willing to give me a loan. I felt like Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) And then maybe it was the people you were playing with. No, I I can I cannot finish if I'm losing. I. I, and I know this is a flaw of mine. I will not finish that game. I will either overturn the board or walk away oh. like in a huff and need to cool down. I cannot. Anthony. Like that game and Mario Kart in terms of video games. Oh, it's oh, just those games. Boy. Any other game, you're fine. Still competitive, but <laughs> I can finish. But Mario Kart, That's I'm that said. guy. That's what she said, yes. And Mario Kart, I'm that guy who thinks he's actually driving a car and I'm leaning forward off the couch, like getting close to the oh, yeah. TV screen, you know. Yeah, I do that too. That's why Man, I avoid playing if, video if, games. Or if, I, if I am in first and on my final lap and that blue spiked shell comes at me, I will throw that remote across the room and like, it's, a, it's an ugly scene. Oh, Anthony, I need to put uh, you and Gabe in a game together and just see what happens. <laughs> Patreon episode there, live video. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so you're, you're proposing that we have a patron live of watching a grown man play a nine-year-old and lose his temper and cry. Okay, I I'm not a creepy grown man. Otherwise, Julia wouldn't have offered. Sure. How was your week, guys? Can we say first of all before either of us answer how amazing? Now that's out in the world. Was Jerry Davila's song he wrote for us? It was amazing. It's an instant classic. I expect to hear it, it in the stores. It put like the biggest smile on my face. I don't know. How do we how do we evangelize this song, y'all? I don't know. Because I kinda get it. I kinda dig it. I dig it's it super too. it's hundred percent diggable. It's amazing. It, sound, it sounds Christmassy. He mm-hmm. referenced all the big movies we've done and all the running jokes, yep. except that's what she said. Hot Ghost of Christmas was in there. Hot Ghost of Christmas, Batman, <laughs> Yippee Kayak, yeah. Other Buckets. Other Buckets. Other Buckets. It's a highlight. Yippee and I kayak, love his, dis- his descriptions of us. Mm-hmm. Julia was the only one who had nothing negative said about her, of course. But, but I, I love, yeah, I mean, even the basic message, how we all work so well together. And we how did. we created a family in that last verse. We did. We yeah, did. That was that. so good, too. That's a good song. It was great. It was super, it was. just the nicest thing. Thank Jerry. you, Jerry. Okay. Yeah, he yeah, is a Jerry. cool guy. And speaking no of No matter Jerry, how many times Anthony asks, I am not stepping down so Jerry can be the third <laughs> elf. I'm not doing it. We'll see next week if he pushes you out since he's co-hosting next week. Uh, how was your week, Tom? Uh, it was pretty uneventful. My deck is getting um, rebuilt right now. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. We found a, when we moved in here, we had rat problems, mm-hmm. which is pretty gross in 2007. Outside, not in. Right. Uh, like I pulled a rat out of our skimmer basket on our anniversary when we were oh. poor because we just closed on our house the week before. So we're having a nice romantic dinner. I go out to empty the skimmer basket and there's a giant dead rat. Well, when we pull up the boards for the deck, there's a straight line through all of the, the, the framing of giant rat holes. You can see exactly where they ran and lived. Oh, man. So we're That's making cool. our new deck rat proof. Wow. How do you make a deck rat proof? Um, instead of having wood around the outside, you put metal flashing uh, for like yeah. a roof yep. so that they yep. can't shoot through and get in. Fascinating. 
It is fascinating. There's a documentary on Netflix about rats that my father-in-law was obsessed with for a while. Like he would find any way to work this into conversation because he just found it so fascinating. Like we'd be at the dinner table and my mother-in-law would get so upset, like stop talking about rats, Bill. And- uh, and, uh, (laughs) I never ended up watching it, but I should. I heard I watched that thing. I I got it got rave reviews from Bill Houston. So, well, I'm gonna have to get on that. The two of them are very funny together. Like I talked about my grandparents and my parents on the show before, but her parents are very funny too. Really, I I remember like sitting around the table once with her father, and her mother comes in, you know, upset that she he used her indoor broom outside instead of the outside bro- outdoor broom, which is laying right there in the door. And he was like, no. "Well, Je-, he was like, well, Jesus, Maureen, I didn't want to take your one mode of transportation." <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> oh, invite me to a family dinner, please. <laughs> just put up a Zoom so Tom and I can just watch. Yes. Watch. Make it secret. Just put it on your phone. Yes, make it secret. Make it secret. All of a sudden, Anthony becomes a creepy older man that Tom just accused me of being five minutes ago. Oh, um, brother. My week was a week. You know, work. Still just a very, week, huh? Very frustrating when things fall apart if you step out for like an hour. That is frustrating. I mean, you're not Atlas. Come on. Come on, guys. I on the am, though. On the bright side, I'd just like to point out to listeners how much I love them because everyone who follows me on Facebook knows I'm a political junkie and it's the middle of the convention this week and I'm recording in the middle of it. So you're welcome, listeners. It's official. Big deal. It is official. I just saw that. What's official? He just officially became the Democratic nominee. But anything for the best listeners in the world. There you go. There you go. There is a sign outside of my neighborhood that says uh, truth over lies, Biden 2020, and it makes me happy. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Also very nice, although I'm going to get pushed back from these two right here, is the movie we're covering tonight. So this is a made-for-TV movie, and if you want an idea of the quality of the filmmaking itself, all you have to do is Google the poster or go on our social medias and look at the poster because multiple people commented, man, for your sakes, I hope the movie isn't as bad as this poster. And so tonight we are covering the 2001 made for TV family film based on the classic holiday song of the same name. I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. The movie's tagline was Christmas is coming and Santa's a dirty rat. It first aired on December 9th, 2001 on the PAX Network, where it aired until 2007. As of 2008, it is shown in the 25 Days of Christmas programming block on Freeform every year. PAX Network. Wow, that's a blast from the past, isn't it? Right. I can't believe this was on the same network as Touched by an Angel, which some Uh, family guy joke is going to come up now, I'm sure. But like... (laughs) No, no, it's been done. Really? That'd be over the top. It's been. Uh, it had the same budget looking. I mean, that yes. show, ne- that show never looked good. Uh, no. But it had De La Reese in it, so don't say it didn't have a budget. That's where all the money went. And it uh, had some sense of modesty and decorum that this one does not have. Oh, this one totally does. 
This one is easy. Were you about to talk trash about Della Reese? I like Della Reese. Okay. I'm not going to talk trash about Della Reese. <laughs> we, were, we were about to have a throwdown. I, I like Della I was Reese. about to own you just like April Riley did. I'm recording with her Friday night for Patreon. I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm going to start sending her some encouraging, <laughs> encouraging messages. <laughs> so, synopsis for this movie. Late one night, eight-year-old Justin sneaks downstairs and sees his mom, Stephanie, kissing Santa Claus. Fearing that his father will divorce his mother, Justin snaps a photo of the two and sends it to the North Pole to get Santa in trouble with his wife and attempt to keep Santa from returning to the family's house. Justin also does every bad thing he can think of, knowing that Santa gives toys only to good boys and girls in order to keep the man away. Little does he know it was his father dressed as Santa Claus, kissing his mother. Tom, I know you're itching. Give us a snarky version. Some weird reasons. Some kid's dad comes home on Thanksgiving night dressed like Santa and starts putting the moves on Mama, getting all freaky. Kid sees, of course, he has a Polaroid right there, so he takes a picture and decides, you know what, if Santa's going to mess with my mom, I'm going to be the worst kid possible to keep him away. I'm supposed to believe he's a good, well-behaved, well-mannered child to a total terror on two legs in no time flat. This kid is obnoxious, insufferable, and drove me nuts. So can I just ask you a question? Yes. It, part of it is this actor, right? I feel like when he was Ben and Big Daddy in this movie, this Dylan and Cole Sprouse are, it was just an obnoxious kids, right? They were just mm-hmm. obnoxious. Dude, he was so cute in Big Daddy, though. He was still that obnoxious, annoying little kid, though. Cute or not. But he didn't even <laughs> talk. He was, like, nervous and just trying to... I'm I sorry. I, I, I don't, you know, you want to talk about potty humor. I avoid any movie where the poster literally has him and Adam Sandler pissing on a wall of a building. I don't think the idea of a grown man taking a child and urinating next to each other in public would cut it in 2020. I'm just going to throw that out there. feel pretty so, yes. confident that that is borderline pedophilia it's only been like three episodes since pedophilia was mentioned tom and every time it's you who brings it up (laughs) so the starring as our eight-year-old justin carver are the twins dylan and cole sprouse who are best known for playing ben on friends the kid in big daddy and zach and cody in sweet life of zach and cody and the sweet life on deck and Cole appears on the CW show Riverdale as Jughead. While Dylan is a co-owner and brewmaster of the all-wise meadery in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. So have to check that out. Wonder if I'd see him. Interesting. What do you think of these kids? Especially because you have kids the same, you know, who watch the Disney Channel. Did you did Zach and Cody get a lot of airplay in your house, Julia? No, they never watched Zach and Cody. It was not their show ever, which was fine. This kid was annoying as Ben. Was never a big Ben fan on Friends. While I like Big Daddy, it's not really because of the kid. So I'm not. I'm not a huge fan. I did see. I've never watched Riverdale. I did see Cole's movie Five Feet Apart. Um, it's a real tearjerker. You know, it's about young adult. Um, both of them have what's it called? Where their lungs are failing because they produce a lot I've, of mucus cystic and their fibrosis. Yes. I remember this trailer in every yeah. movie I saw for a while. Yep. 
Yeah. And they have the kind, one has C. diff and the other one has the kind that's really bad. And so like, it really is like Romeo and Juliet. Right. Um, I could not. It was fine. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a very sad movie, but Hannah I was the director of development for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation in Tulsa and got to know a lot of the CF families and yeah, lost a friend to CF. It's a very tragic disease. Yeah, this one's based on a true story. The ending is not the same as the true story, though. It's, a, it's an uptick of an ending, not the actual realistic ending of it, so... Anyway. That's weird because I thought there was no such thing as Hollywood endings. <laughs> Whoa, I see what you did there. <laughs> um, are y'all fans of of Cole and Dylan? I hated Big Daddy. I hated him on Friends and was glad when he basically disappeared after Emma was born. You never once saw an episode with the two of them together, mm-hmm. which is weird. Um, <laughs> Riverdale, I haven't been keeping up with i watched the first season and he was a good on that but i mean mm-hmm. it's a darker take on the archie comics right like he's not playing jughead from the comics mm-hmm. so, but he, he did the kind of like you know moody emo teenager fine right but i mean i i've seen zach and cody with like younger cousins i i would say because of the actors around them on that show, because I used to, I had a crush on Ashley Tisdale and the other one on that show. I didn't mm-hmm. mind that show, but again, because of who surrounded them. I can't say I'm a fan of them, though. What about you, Tom? Ambivalent, at best. So, listener April Riley actually met Cole Sprouse. She posted a picture in our Facebook group and said, Cole Sprouse grew up to be a weird adult. Very nice, but having a conversation with him is a trip. He basically talked about how he likes to get high and pretend his brother Dylan is a figment of his imagination. She's convinced he was somewhat drunk when she met him. There is a lot to unpack about what he is saying psychologically there with that statement. Wait, so she met Cole Sprouse. Is that Jughead? Is that the one who's still acting? Yes, it is. I I think it looked like she was at some kind of a Comic-Con. Yeah. He was probably there for Riverdale. So yeah, it was probably him, not the brewery son. Brewery brother. So playing our eight-year-old's mother, Stephanie Carver, is Connie Selica, best known for her roles on the television series Flying High, The Greatest American Hero, and Hotel, for which she was nominated for our Golden Globe Award for Best Actress. Best known for those wispy bangs, short wispy bangs. That's what she's best known for. Are you a fan of her? No, I'm just saying like, boy, those were some early 2000s bangs. She looked very familiar, but I've like I feel like I've seen her in something before, but I could not tell you what. Looking at her filmography, yeah. I don't think I have, but it's probably something like she seems like the type of actress I would pass at like one AM on TNT in some late night movie or something. Yeah. Yep. And the only other person I'll mention in this cast is the father, David Carver, played by Corbin Burnson. He was in LA Law. I As am a div- huge Corbin Burnson fan. Are you kidding? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> he was in LA Law. He was in The Dentist. He was in Psych. He was in Major League, Major League Two, and Major League Back to the Minors. And he's also appeared regularly on other shows, The Resident, General Hospital, and Cuts. And has had intermittent appearances on The Young and The Rest. Uh, seems like L.A. Law and The Dentist and Psych are the things he's most known for. I know we have Psych fans, 
in the Facebook group. So for those of you psych fans out there, he played Henry Spencer. Of his 10 post-production movies that he has right now, completed to some form of production, I should say, three of them are Christmas movies. A Bennett Song Holiday, The Christmas Project Reunion, and The Farmer and the Bell, Saving Santa Land. It makes me sad for Christmas. I don't like Corbin Bernson at all. There's no part of me in my body that likes anything about him. He's one of those actors that like, I can't do it. And I love the major league movies. I can't do it. He doesn't bother me. Oh, I but, can't. Ooh, but he's like, he's like, like the rebate version of like a, uh, well now, at his age now, he's like the rebate version of like Brian Cranston. They look alike and they play the same tough guy roles now. And that's who he reminds me of, the rebate version of that. What's less than rebate? Five cent bin. I would use to say yeah. low budget. He's the five cent bin version of Brian Cranston. That's harsh, y'all. I don't like Corbin. Not <laughs> arguing with you. He's one of the world's worst actors ever. Ever. And I re- I've never watched Psych. But like, Psych is one of those shows that I just know I will love, right? Because the commercials look hilarious and it's got like all the makings of stuff I would like. So at some point I'll break into that and binge the thing and totally love it. And it is just going to have to really work on myself to watch something that he is in between 2006 and 2014. I mean, he's in that thing like a lot. And so I'm. Um, I love that. The farther into this year we get, the more irate Julia is becoming. By the time we do Festivus, she's going to have a lot of grievances to air, and I can't wait. It is going to be glorious. I think we're going to be patient with her, though. He's awful. We have to be really nice to her because, you know, we're always always nice nice to her. We've pushed her to to this point. Julia is this way because of us. I think Julia is this way because of you and the movie. And Corbin Burnson. Dude, you can't blame me and not take responsibility for yourself, man. <laughs> That's just not cool. So See, now I feel bad because if he listens to this episode of the podcast, I feel like really terrible. You should. I don't know why he's the one that you suddenly feel bad about everything you've said about <laughs> others over the years. You said so many things about so many actors and you're like, well, this is the one that's too far. Poor Corbin Burns. So many things about, because I just looked at his picture with his little hat on on IMDb and I feel kind of bad for him now. <laughs> oh julia gulia okay so those are the only three worth mentioning because they're the only three on the wikipedia page who have clickable links so that should tell you about the other talent in this movie mm-hmm. let's discuss histories and overall thoughts and i'm going to start with tom first because i think Julia's going to be more passionate in hers so let's save her for after tom histories none His- None. No history. Doesn't exist. Future? None. Doesn't exist. This is another one of those movies I have no interest in ever watching again. I probably, I mean, this movie's so bad, I probably won't even listen to our episode next week. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Some of the, those are usually the best ones. Santa and Pete was actually a really funny episode, actually, like, considering how that went. Julia, what's your history? Uh, zero history. Didn't know it existed. But you put it on the list. I did not put this on the list. Don't you put that on me. You put this thing on the list. <laughs> and not this person. <laughs> not me. Um, yeah, I'd never, I don't know. I'd never heard of it. I didn't enjoy it. 
really, really didn't enjoy it. <laughs> um, will not watch it again. Well, I have a history with this movie. Which is why you put it on the list. I didn't put it on. Yes, yes you did. Yes, I did. And I have no regrets. I have a history with this movie. I saw it when it first aired in 2001. And it was a perfect, stupid, comfort movie needed after being in New York on 9-11. Okay, so, so math is hard. How old were you in 2001? Seventh grade. Okay. Well, I'm just checking because I think that has a lot to do with this, right? So keep, keep going. And as I read off um, while introducing this movie, it's been on every year, like on Freeform from 2008. Which is crazy because I don't think I've ever seen this anywhere on. So I can't say that I catch it every year, but I do catch it. Like, it's not one, like, remember when we covered Three Days, which is another one. I said they only moved to the really early morning or late night, and I never catch it. This one is not. This airs usually in the afternoon after work. And so I've caught this, like, not again, not every year, but in years past. And it's just a stupid, mindless entertainment. I'm not going to say it's a good film, but I don't have this, like, passionate loathing for it that you two do i agree with two-thirds of what you said i'm going to go to the mat with tom and say i'd rather watch this any day of the week and twice on sunday over pete's christmas and both north pole movies julia i'd rather watch this any day of the week and twice on sunday over santa and pete and the hot ghost of christmas i agree with half of that last part i would rather watch hot ghost of christmas than this yeah, but you'd rather watch this over Santa and Pete. I'd rather watch Santa and Pete. I don't know. I don't would rather watch. Scene. I'd rather have to watch neither of them ever again. Well, I, I guess our discussion will help influence you one way or the other when it comes to writing. So the story is really simple. It is based on the song. I know y'all are not fans of the song, right? No. If you had to pick a cover, who did it best? We posed this question That's on Facebook too. Jackson yeah. 5? What about you, Tom? God, no. I don't know, but not Jackson 5. For me, it was jo- it's John Mellencamp. I love the John Mellencamp version. A lot of people on Facebook said Jackson 5. Hmm. But I like the song. I like the song more now as an adult than as a kid. Just knowing, like, you know, I, it's, you know, a cute song. A kid thinks his mom's kissing Santa Claus. In reality, it's his dad, right? It's his dad dressed as Santa. That's mm-hmm. the song. I'm going to go with uh, Angela Pickles and Rosie O'Donnell. Angela Pickles, as in the Rugrats? Angelica Pickles and Rosie O'Donnell. Angelica Pickles, as in the Rugrats. I guess so. Yep. They sang, uh, I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. I'm going to go ahead and say that's my favorite. That or Reba McIntyre. I mean, you can't go wrong with Reba. No. That's true. Do love me some Reba. But yeah, so I I like the double meaning of the song. I think it's funny. I think it's like cute. I think it's cool that kids can appreciate it in one way, adults in another way. So the movie starts out. Thanksgiving Day, and I appreciate that it starts Thanksgiving, because that's when the Christmas season really starts for a lot of families who are not obsessed with the holidays like we are. (laughs) And as the mother in the story, Stephanie, is preparing Thanksgiving dinner, her son is upstairs at the friend watching a commercial for this new toy. It kind of reminded me of Turbo Man and Jingle All the Way. That's a vibe I got. Absolutely. Total Jingle All the Way vibe. Yep. And they both really want for Christmas. It's a new hot toy. It's sold out everywhere. Both of them want it. At the Thanksgiving dinner, things are awkward because Justin's friend, his parents are fighting and they're getting a divorce. And they announce it. And they decide to announce it in front of their son on Thanksgiving. 
In front of friends of the family, not family, friends of the family. And some random guy that likes football. Like with a friend of the family. Poor choices, parents. Poor choices. So obviously this makes dinner awkward, to say the least. Everyone leaves. Dylan goes up to bed that night and he hears his parents. So this family's struggling with money. The father took a con is like a contractor. He builds homes and he's not getting a lot of work. The mother's getting underpaid at her job. She's up for a promotion, but doesn't know she'll get it. She's not making a lot of money. So they get into this fight over money issues because they don't want to take out, like, they've already taken out, borrowed against their mortgage, what, like twice, they said, or something like that? Yeah, max credit cards, max and they're paying half mortgage payments. Which, I mean, they need to teach. They need to teach financial stuff, like financial accounting in school rather than calculus. Because this yeah. is like adulting 101 these, these are steps most irrational adults know not to take right uh i was a banker dude for years i, I know was, that i know that a lot of them do it is and a lot it, of them get desperate it's desperation. unbelievable what what links people go to in desperation it's desperation there's there's this idea especially for a lot of entrepreneurs who are in failing businesses that the next big thing is just around the corner i just have to make it to x and they never actually get there which is what these parents are arguing, right? Yeah. They just need to wait for the promotion and his next contracting job, which he made it sound like he left another job to pursue this dream of his and it's not working. And she needles well, he, him about that. He loses it when loses she suggests- it. It's like an ugly fight. Yeah, it is, an, it is a very ugly fight. A very ugly fight. Especially to have in front of a kiddo. He's not though. He can hear. He's and when you yeah, raise he, your voice that loudly though, and the they kids were loud mouth, enough. That's right. You're gonna wake up your kid. Right. So he storms out of the house, like slamming the door and everything. So at this point, she goes upstairs to make sure her kid's tucked in, has done his brushed his teeth, said his prayers. They have like a cute little checklist that they go mm-hmm. through every night. And he asks where dad is. She said he ran out. He ran to go get milk or had to run out for something she unaware that he's heard this fight so kisses him goodnight goes downstairs the kid is obviously depressed right because he just saw his friend's parents announce their divorce at thanksgiving dinner and now his parents had this huge fight (laughs) he believes this is the first step down a path of possible divorce followed up by late at night the father comes home realizes he did something stupid decides to as an apology to his wife, he goes into the shed and puts on this old Santa suit. Comes into the house, not keeping his voice down, going, ho, ho, ho. Obviously, the kid wakes up and sneaks to the upper floor railing to spy on Santa coming to the house. Santa, in quotes, goes up to his wife. And the two of them have this flirty, semi-dirty... Yeah, uh, semi. About how... straight-up dirty how she's been a, a good girl and she says she's been naughty she's been naughty and then she can't wait for christmas eve night yes and i'm like dude uh, she's who obviously... else thought of the friends episode where monica wanted chandler to keep the santa costume for a night yep yep who else yep i did um i did but also what makes that unbelievable as a parent christmas eve night 
there is not free time. It is a stressful time to get everything ready, make sure children are in bed, and bring all the presents down. Nobody is I nobody I know is thinking about hanky panky on Christmas Eve night. Listeners, you can offer your apologies to Tom if if you have had a different experience in your lifetime. It's just weird. Well, we build stuff like I'm building toys for Ellie on Christmas Eve, right? Yeah, I know. Um, my parents used to do that too. Like build this a lot of stuff for us to open. You know what? Where there's a wall, there's a way, Tom. <laughs> anyway, I don't. I don't anyway. have words. Give <laughs> no rebuttal no. for that. <laughs> Let's see if possible rebuttals and stuff are <laughs> off talked about and never going to happen. Tis a podcast after dark Patreon episode. Anyway, <laughs> Justin is excited. Santa's in his house. He runs back to his room because his friend lives across the street. So they have the walkie talkies that communicate from Ben. Mm-hmm. He's like, You won't believe it. Santa's in my house. Friend doesn't believe him, says to snap a picture. Yeah. Which is why sure he didn't takes happen. the picture. So Justin goes back out to take a picture and snaps a moment that his mom and Santa kiss under the mistletoe. Mm-hmm. And he's shocked and horrified because his parents just had this fight. He never saw his dad come home. He thinks his mother is essentially cheating on him with Santa Claus. Who cheated and that up for is, Santa? That's right. And then this is going to cause him to get a divorce. Mm-hmm. He goes to school the next day, confides in his friend this fear, and his friend gives him the brilliant, question mark, idea. Best worst advice. (laughs) That if you don't want Santa to visit your house anymore, you just have to act naughty. Do everything that's going to get you on the naughty list so he skips over your house. Which he recants entirely later in the movie, by the way. He does. He does. At the same time, he's going to do the opposite and act really good because he thinks if he's on his best behavior, Santa will help his parents get back together, which is mm-hmm. maybe a little sad that like a kid thinks that. And I bet young kids yeah. do think things like that. Oh, look, oh, you yeah, have no I'm hope, sure. so you're reaching for straws. <laughs> That's like an Anthony thing to say, Tom. That's like not... <laughs> That's... That's really callous for Tom. <laughs> Well, I just couldn't believe any of these kids. It wasn't believable. It's like, yeah, if my kid, you know, was as bad of an actor as you, I might leave my wife too. Oh my God. So this leads to the bulk of the movie, which is a series of events. It's almost like montage after montage after montage. Yep. Of, of yeah. just Justin Carver going around town, defacing property, Santa property. Throwing snowballs like, at every decora- single like Santa. De- decorations, signs. And absolutely torturing this poor Salvation Army Santa Claus who's on the car uh, collecting I money. think the worst part is noosing up, lynching a Santa. Oh my god! In the front girl's living room, in the front girl's, uh, not her living room, in her front yard. <sighs> That's a pretty mortifying thought. That's a sick kid right there. He needs some serious help. a sick kid. <laughs> yeah, for being such a good kid in the first five minutes of the movie, he sure takes to being bad very, very easily. And again, this is where the Spout, Sprouse brothers, I feel, are just being themselves. Because everything I've seen them in at this age, they are the brattiest, most obnoxious kids. In just poorly everything. acted. Yeah. Poorly acted versions of themselves. And that's what's going on here. So <laughs> this kid, this he tortures the Salvation Army Santa. Uh, he lays this elaborate trap on the sidewalk, ices the sidewalk, sets up... <laughs> rope and everything to make him fall to make him fall has the santa chase him leaving his bucket behind and the santa 
it falls, trips over the rope and the ice, has a bunch of snow from Branch Lynn on top of him. And this kid is delighted. He's torturing this poor man. This the five cent Ben version of Home Alone. Yes. Well, yeah. I it's probably I like the more. I like this new probably, five cent Ben thing we're talking. It's probably the more realistic version of Home Alone. I don't want the realistic version. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If if Tom is going to be talking about realism when it comes to his theology, I'm going to go, this is realistic for a kid that age, the kind of stuff he would do rather than Kevin's death traps in Home Alone. I don't know that death trap for Santa was pretty, pretty deathy. Pretty deathy. <laughs> it was, I was high on the death. Oh, this results in the Santa losing his job on the corner. He comes to deliver gifts to his class the last day of school before Christmas vacation, sees him and has like PTSD. a PTSD <laughs> moment, yeah. which Justin takes advantage of because he runs forward and literally shoves this old man to the ground. All the while, he is sending letters to the North Pole, calling Santa a rat telling him to stay away from his mom, to stay away from the house. And he, he mail what I think is funny, he mails Mrs. Claus <laughs> a photo. A photo. Trying to bust him up with the missus. <laughs> Which was legitimately funny. You can admit that. That was, that was the one funny part in this movie. He tries to bust Santa with Mrs. Claus. Making the situation worse, his father finally gets a job. Mm-hmm. That has an offer for a big Christmas bonus, but it's away, and he won't back, be back until Christmas Eve night. Mm-hmm. So when he, he finds out his dad's going away, he's freaking out because he thinks that in his dad's absence, Santa's going to fill that void. That's what she said. Move on. And, oh, Lord. Oh, you can't do that on a Santa joke. What wrong with that, Anthony? <laughs> You're welcome. Listen <laughs> With his dad gone, his mother starts a new job. She gets a new job that offers more money. No one's around to take care of this kid after work, so she sets her father, his grandfather, up to take care of him. He's the one character I probably like the most in this. He was a sweet old man. He takes Justin to the mall to see Santa one day. Lo and behold, it's the same Santa he's been torturing the the whole film. Of course it is. He gets on the loudspeaker, essentially calls him a rat, calls him all these names. Yeah. The, San- the Santa chases him through the mall in something that looks straight out of like an 80s, 90s bad physical comedy thing. Did that give you so much nostalgia for malls, though? It did. It made me, that part made me happy just because that's what malls looked like. Malls looked like. Kids. Not anymore, y'all. No. <laughs> and this Santa goes over the escalator, falls flat on his back on the ground floor among the Christmas display, where you get two, for some reason, skimpy elves, in which one literally bends over and you see her underwear as they're helping him to the ground. Skimpy, in like platform stiletto heels. Is that not how elves were at your school? That is a dirty Santa. They were all (laughs) like, are you okay, Santa? And he's like, oh yeah, I'm just fine. Got these hot elves around me. dirty Santa, he literally looked dirty. He looked looked dirty. He looked filthy. Filthy. He had like that really dirty looking gray beard, which I don't like in Santa's. No, not a fan either. Anyway, this culminates Christmas Eve. Dad's driving home in the middle of a snowstorm. They don't think he's going to make it home Christmas Eve. 
which was a weird bit of drama. I don't understand why they added to this at all. I don't. Christmas Eve, the mailman comes and he rings the doorbell of the house and says to them, I guess she, he's on friendly terms with mom because he's like, normally we keep these letters or throw them out or whatever he says, but I thought you'd want to see them. There's even one for the missus in here. Yeah, so, I liked that. How cool I would like that, that be? I like that too. That would if be really cool. If you lived in a small enough town where you could get him back. Yeah. I think that's neat. That would be really cool. Mm-hmm. So while Justin's outside basically laying his Christmas Eve trap for Santa, mom takes these, well, he comes inside, goes to bed. While he's asleep, mom opens these letters and she's horrified to see all these like nasty insults to Santa. If I opened my child's Santa letters and saw crap like that, I think my child needed help. You question your parenting skills? Yes, I would. <laughs> she gets to the Mrs. one, opens it, sees the Polaroid photo of her kissing her husband dressed as Santa. She goes upstairs. She All of a sudden, her kid's misbehavior, this movie, hits home. She realizes why he's doing it. She goes upstairs to talk to him, but he's asleep. So she kind of kisses his head and leaves him to talk to him in the morning. Late night comes. Dad gets home. Middle of the night. Mom's up waiting for him because, again, he's driving home in a snowstorm. She wanted to make sure he got home okay. Mm-hmm. He, he said earlier in the movie, this might be the last year Justin believes in Santa, so he wanted to make it special. He was going to dress up as Santa, which mm-hmm. I question that. If it's possibly the last year, that means your kid's old enough to see through the Santa, to see through the Santa outfit and know it's dad. No? That's fair. Just me? I would think. I would think. Anyway, he goes to the shed. Puts on his Santa outfit again. Uh-oh. He still laundered it. <laughs> he steps into the home alone type traps in the lawn that Justin has sent, which is essentially a Looney Tunes gag of stepping on a rake. It is. Turns around. Awful, another rake, y'all. Turns around, steps on another rake. Justin comes running outside, basically caught you, you rat. Mom comes running out. They explain the whole misunderstanding to... Justin. And We've been lying to you about Santa for years and look where it got us. No, they say they're Santa's helpers. They don't I know, they continue the lie. You're such a Scrooge. Bah, humbug. <laughs> Merry anyway. Christmas. Anyway. That's my granddad's door knocker growing up every year. You, people would come to the door and push you to go, bah, humbug. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Still to this day. So this is where the movie takes a far left turn and goes into the completely fantastical for a moment. Mm-hmm. Justin goes to bed. Every, everything's resolved. The situation's resolved. Justin goes to bed. Mom, go, Mom and dad go to bed. After that funny moment of dad eating a cookie, which I guess Justin had put Tabasco sauce on or something, salt or something. You get the yeah, impression. It was hot. Like it just came out of, oh, because Santa would have some... Yeah. That makes more sense uh, now. Got it. Okay. Right. He's but would have, it would have helped if we had seen him do it. It was just it implied that. Just an implied random high, spicy in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. They go up to bed. Then we get this really out of place Christmassy belly type music and see the real Santa. The real Santa land on the roof with his reindeer, go down the chimney, get poked with something. What did he leave down there that poked Santa in the butt? But Santa's like, oh, oh, that's going to leave a mark. And he leaves. 
gifts for Justin, goes back up the chimney, and goes on his way. Well, because a small sub storyline was them trying to get this. I can't, all I can think is Turbo Man now. Uh, let's just call it Turbo Man. Let's it was something it. like Ultraman. It was something right. like that. Yeah. Was trying to get that toy that he wanted from the very first scene in the movie. And obviously everywhere sold out. So they couldn't, you know, grandpa tried, mom tried, dad tried, nobody could find it. So Christmas morning, we get another scene where for some reason in this household, it's okay for the kid to come down first and start ripping open his presents before the rest of the family's awake. This is that. We've been through this so many times on so many episodes. I don't know why people are still thinking that's okay. I have never met one person who has ever been allowed to do that. No. One. Listeners, if you know someone or you yourself are allowed to do this in your house or you let your kids do it, write in because I want to know because it's just a foreign concept to me. Mm-hmm. To us, it's foreign. The parents come downstairs. He's already opened the gift. He got the gift. He got Turbo Man. And of course, well, it was unwrapped. That one was unwrapped. Santa did not wrap Turbo his Man. Gift. Okay. So they're like, Mom, Dad, look what I got. Look what Santa brought me. Mm-hmm. So of course, the mom's like, You managed to pick it up? I thought you did. And they have this <gasps> moment. You know, family comes over. You see, uh oh, Santa got this kid's family back together, his friend's family back together. Yep. He got what he wanted in addition to a Turbo Man outfit. Right. Grandpa shows up and it's like, oh, cool, you got Turbo Man? And they were like, Dad, you didn't sneak in and leave that under the tree for him? No, I couldn't find it anywhere. And <gasps> Santa's real. The end. That's essentially the end of the movie. Yep. Now, I'm not saying it would have made it a better movie, but it would have fit more with the movie had the dad or somebody picked that toy up on the way home. Rather than have Santa himself deliver it. Well, I think they pushed this this idea of Santa so far that they had to be like, oh, crap, we've made Santa fake this entire time. we got to fix this. Otherwise, kids that's, can't watch it. And if kids can't watch this I dribble, nobody's going to watch this dribble. That's what I think happened. Okay, that's Quick, somebody, somebody throw Santa in the script. Okay. So, I realized when running through this plot with y'all, this happens to Tom a lot, I feel, more than you, Julia. And definitely more than me, because usually nostalgia is strong with me. Mm-hmm. I know this happens with Tom a lot, where he enjoys something or has always enjoyed something, but then watching it and talking about it with a critical eye, all of a sudden you realize, wow, this is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to say I'm not going to watch it again, because I probably will, just because I have watched it so many times over the years, but... I, this is not one you can watch with a critical eye. Definitely, definitely not. Right. And this, mm-hmm. watching it now as an adult, kidless, I feel like this is something young kids would enjoy. <laughs> something you want to put on for young kids while you're in the kitchen doing something else. Ellie did not enjoy it at all. Right, except I wouldn't want my young kids seeing the horrible, awful behavior this kid. Wa- I hate watching movies where the kid is misbehaved on purpose. Like, we, haven't watched, but, we haven't watched Home Alone yet with Ellie for that very reason. But that, His but misbehavior that's like a, is justified to me. It is, but it's, kids think that's funny. I don't want to yeah. get the idea at four. Oh, today's her half birthday. Ellie's four and a half today. <gasps> she got brownies but those are like dinner of choice. But like, uh, if you have kids who are seeing people getting hit and burned and knocked down and having a paint can that would splatter their face, hitting them in the head, and the reaction is laughter, that's probably not a good thing for somebody as old as, as young as four. But those are personal. Kids. 
those are personal choices for y'all. This is a very popular thing with films, right? Kids behaving this badly that seem to go well with a lot of families because they keep making movies like this. Right. So when I so when I say I'm not saying you're gonna put your justify this one. (laughs) So I'm not gonna say you or you specifically, Julie, are gonna put your camera on the TV. But judging from the amount of movies like this that are made, where the kid is just awful, a lot of this is a type of movie where people who do like those types of films will put their kid in front of the TV while they themselves go into the other room and finish something they need. Right. Sure. Start kissing. That's why I wondered how old you were when you first saw it, because I I could see. Being younger and enjoying it. Yeah, I I mean, that's not... No, but I think watching it through a kid frame of mind is different than watching it through an adult frame of mind. I mean, it's still, especially for a boy, it's seventh grade, it's still very immature. Right. Go on, Tom, lecture us on how mature you were for your age and how brilliant and gifted you were in seventh grade and how by then you had contacts all over Tulsa and all the different industries. I lived in Houston. Okay, Houston. Yeah, I lived in Houston. That's the only part of that statement he's going to correct. That's right. <laughs> that's, accurate. that's the only part that needs to be corrected. So what was the thing, Julia, that, because you in particular seem to have a vitriol. Tom just is kind of like, I can't with this movie, but you seem to have this. So what is it for you? No, so I really movie? don't have vitriol towards the movie, but like the dirty Santa stuff at the beginning was like a lot and that's when i i was just i don't know santa and pete last week was like a wholesome poorly made movie but it was it was a wholesome movie right this one was like not wholesome i can agree i i think it was wholesome i I would have no i would have no problem letting my kids watch this wholesome i mean i don't think it's like i mean i don't brat and has no consequences for it I don't know that I'm not That's saying not true. He was punished throughout that, the film. But there were no but it's real still, consequences. He keeps he doing, doing it though. It. He talks back to his parents and can I tell you like he keeps doing it how because that pushes he, my buttons. Me but he keeps too. But he keeps doing it because he li- this kid in his mind literally believes his parents are gonna get divorced because of Santa. And, and that's that awesome. If he's bad enough. Oh, wait, you mean my parents could get divorced too? I, I mean, I really, I don't having... have vitriol. It's just, I don't like the movie. I think it's dumb. So, did the, was this movie a Christmas movie? You can't argue it. It was a Christmas movie. The whole plot yeah, revolves was around so Santa fine. and Christmas. I guess it was a movie set at Christmas. Fine. Did it have a Linus moment? Did it have a Linus no. moment? Did it have a Linus moment that I bought? Did it have a Linus moment, whether or not you bought it? It did not have a Linus moment. It totally had a Linus moment. It did not have a Linus moment. All right, y'all, I'm thinking about it. Convince me. His parents came clean about the fact that, you know, what he saw was really just misinterpreted. But that their sense, they kept the Santa thing going, and they said, you know, they're a happy family, and they'll be together. And that's Christmas. You want to be together weak. with your... I'm not saying it's a strong Linus that's moment. It's a I'm going to vote no. Yeah. I don't see it as a Linus moment. It's a stretch. I'm I not think saying it could have come up with like him, you know, he could have had some deeper revelations about the meaning of family, what family means, how, you know, how important it is. Yeah. The whole thing felt very selfish. And even at the end, it's like a self, he gets something out of it, you know? That was missing. That deep revelation was missing. That selflessness. But that could just be the actor not that doing it. Couldn't, I think there's something... And again, it's not done well. And I think it's a combination of the actor and the writing. 
I think there's something sweet about the idea of an eight-year-old wanting to see if his parents' marriage is so bad he's willing to forego Santa. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess. Yeah, it's got an extraordinarily weak, have to make a case for it. That's how weak Linus moment. I'm still not going to give it. I'm still saying The atmosphere was not, by the way. No. They have done so much more than just nasty, cheap Santa costumes. The horrible red. It looked more Christmassy than last week's movie. That is absolutely not true. That is 110% true. It is not. They had more Christmas music than last week's movie, too. That's true, but the music wasn't even good. Couldn't afford it. There were horrible covers of Christmas Christmas songs. She makes a valid point. There were Hallmark covers of Christmas songs. You know what I'll say? For a movie called I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus... They never used that song once, which I know you two don't care because you don't like it, but you would think in a movie called yeah, I Saw Missed Opportunity. Claus, not once. Especially all these montages going around. You could have played right. over at least one montage. Right. Yeah, like Missed Opportunity. Was it just too much money to get the rights for it or something? Probably. You know what? Probably. Because this did not look, as you can see, as listeners have seen from the poster, if they haven't seen the movie, this movie did not look like it had a budget. Budget no. below. I can't find information on the budget. Super low budget, y'all. I do want to say, in fairness, critics agree with you two. Andy Webb from the movie scene gave the film two out of five stars and stated, what this all boils down to is that I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus is a misguided movie. It's misguided because the fact it basically debunks Santa Claus means it doesn't have a target audience. And those who are not yet, and those who are young enough to find the jokes funny are the ones who don't need the magic of Christmas spoiled. Which is a really good point. Yes. I agree. Yes. Justin Oberholzer from Freaking Awesome Network gave it a D plus and wrote, It baffles me that it took four men to write this script. How hard is it to knock out such a simple premise? Maybe they were all friends and simply started exchanging ideas of the Santa chases. Those pranks are the only thought put into the film and they become redundant. They try to instill some heart into the film, but it comes off like a bad, cheesy Hallmark card, which is the best way to describe this film. Which I should have said, by the way, this movie, because we didn't go over any of this, this movie was directed by John Shepard. It was produced by Sean Levy, who did Cheaper by the Dozen, Night of the Museum, Stranger Things, and Big Fat Liar. I don't care. Man. And it what? was... This good yeah, stuff. Yeah, I know. All of that's good stuff. Sad. And it was written as this person pointed out it was written by four different people, none of whom are worth mentioning. Like I have, I'm, my, my reaction as we discuss this movie is becoming more and more visceral. Like, there's something like my chromatic. Corbin person reaction. Yes, there's something in me that is making me H-A-T-E. Why did I just spell that? Ellie's not here. <laughs> Although now that she's reading, that's not working so well anymore. All right. We've discussed it. It's time to rank it. Let's just get it hold over on, with hold, and talk about on. something I've, fun. So I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Julia. Point two. Point two five. I want to tie it with last week's. I will preface this by saying I could watch this movie with a non-critical mind and just enjoy it kind of like while I'm doing other stuff. If it's on during the Christmas season and I'm sitting there wrapping gifts or whatever, I won't change the channel. 
talking about it critically though. Okay, I'm gonna challenge you on that one, Anthony. I think you would change the channel if there were anything mm -hmm. else on that had better visuals and better music. It, de it depends. How many times have I already watched the four films a show 100 million times a season? That's fair. But I could, I, I don't sometimes know. Sometimes you I think... just crave, so, crave something different. I have to give it a 3.1. You would rather watch this than Pete's Christmas? I will, 100%. Hmm. Okay. That gives us an average of 1.183. In terms of our new tier system, it puts it in tier five. Alleluia. Holy. Where's the Tylenol? Where's the Tylenol? And it comes in at number 78 between I'll Be Home for Christmas and North Pole Open for Christmas. Yeah. It's a real stinker. <laughs> so I was telling listeners i was telling julian time before we started recording when i was adding the tiered system to our list we have much more you'll shoot your eye out kid hallelujah holy where's the tylenol and bah humbug movies than we do hallmarkably average seeing isn't believing believing is seeing and that's what christmas is all about charlie brown in fact we only have eight that fall into that tier one. I feel it sometimes. Eight. The cutoff was the 1994 Miracle on 34th Street. That was Aww. the last one to eke by into tier one. The first one that couldn't make the cut was Scrooged. That fell into tier two. Mm. There you go. I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. I'll be curious to see what listeners thought of it. They had a lot of opinions based on the poster alone. We did have a question of the week, which will be a fun one to answer. And this was submitted by Mr. Gary Blauman on Reddit, who wrote, need to take back my question of the week crown. Anthony pointed out in the Nativity episode that the wonderful, well, watch it, buddy, has stolen some of my question of, <laughs> has stolen some of my question of the week mojo which I am all for more great questions, which has prompted me to add another to the mix. What is a now-ended television show that you'd love for it to come back with a Christmas-themed special like we so often see with British shows? For me, the obvious answer is The Office because of how good so many of the Christmas episodes were. A bit of a sleeper option for me would be Home Improvement. The show has done mm. so many, many years and they had some of the best Christmas specials. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a few. I want more Gavin and Stacy Christmas episodes. Which it looks like we're going to get. Which makes me happy. I want more house Christmas episodes. Really enjoyed it when we covered those on here. I would really like to see Tales from the Crypt Christmas <laughs> episodes be reissued. Because I really liked that show. Like a lot. Me too. I hate the new design of the Crypt Keeper, by the way. Oh, yeah, no. Classic Crypt Keeper is the best. And then I want more Gilmore Girls Christmas. But, like, the old storyline would be awesome. I, yeah, I don't want to see I don't want to see Rory jumping from married man to married man again. That yeah, not so much. And very much out of you. Have we done, we haven't done the Gilmore Girls. Not yet. Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. You know, I would like to see a Scrubs reunion, and I think a Christmas would be a perfect time for that. I wish Community would continue to do Christmas episodes every year. Their Christmas episodes were always awesome. I would love a Friends Christmas reunion. I really would. And of course, 
I'd go Thanksgiving for friends. Yeah, it's Thanksgiving only, reunion. Yeah, that's fair. Just a holiday reunion for friends. Let's go with that. And, uh, you know, I would be remiss if I did not include, well, I would have said Parks and Rec before I saw their COVID reunion. And that was uh-huh. just, that was such a letdown. I don't trust yeah. that. Plus their, you know, their final season look into the future. Those were such letdowns that I don't really trust them to do a, a to bring anything positive back. But I do think The Office could pull it off. So number one for me would be The Office. And I think that lends itself to a reunion special just by nature of it could be within the show, a reunion special, seeing where they are all these years later. And, you know, you could bring people like Michael back who have left the company. Mm-hmm. So that would be number one on my list. But Michael has to come back uninvited and show up at Jim and Pam. <laughs> oh my God, yes. Just show up out of nowhere. <laughs> Nobody oh invited him and he shows up. <laughs> With like a with like a with like some sort of dish he drove for hours with that's supposed to be climate controlled that isn't you know like <laughs> on Christmas Eve of of all days too this oh and he, okay so let's continue developing this plot he invites the entire gang to Jim and Pam's for Christmas and never tells Jim and Pam oh gosh <laughs> so the office would be my number one bit of a sleeper which they can't do because I know the lead actor died not too long ago but. I think uh, Matt, Gary Blyman brought this up. ALF would have been interesting. Mm. I used to love ALF, and I think that never got the proper ending it deserved. It ended on a cliffhanger where ALF was taken by the government. They discovered him, and they took him away, and then the show ended until a horrific made-for-TV movie years later with none of the original cast. So I think it would have been cool to give the show proper a proper ending. Does ALF get to eat a cat in the episode? Does he finally get to do that? That would be amazing. Do a Christmas themed, and you got this whole theme of family. Alf doesn't have hit, and you know, the people from Melmac, the survivors of Melmac, come back and get him. And it could be this bittersweet goodbye at the end of the episode. And he can go away where he should to live happy with his people. Yep. And take a bunch of cats. Alf would have been interesting. See, I didn't didn't think Alf because Willie is dead. I didn't think French Prince of Bel Air because Uncle Phil is dead. Friends, I never considered because, again, their holiday was Thanksgiving. I would love a Friends Thanksgiving reunion. I think if they ever did a reunion, it should be a Thanksgiving reunion. I mean, Seinfeld would have to be Festivus, otherwise I'd have said Seinfeld. Points to home improvement because I always did have really good oh, episodes. Yeah. I couldn't say that one. That on one was schedule. sad, but I hadn't thought about it. But that, those would be epic. We need to do next year. We need to get those Christmas episodes and Halloween episodes on this. You know, another one? I would love to see a show that didn't get a lot of love and ended far too soon, Grounded for Life. <gasps> I loved Grounded for Life. I love that show. We need oh, to get man. that Christmas episode on the list, too. That was good. If we, could, if we could eliminate, you know, death from the equation, I would love to see a Golden Girls Christmas reunion. I would pay huge I... money to see that. Oh, a Reba Christmas reunion sounds good, too. I would go for, if we're removing death from the equation, if we took a time machine back to the 60s, I would do a Gilligan's Island Christmas reunion oh. where they where they get off the island or something. I mean, they have- Beverly they, Hillbillies always had a good Christmas episode too. Beverly I mean, Hillbillies is good. The Gilligan's Island had that reunion movie years later where they got off the island and the end scene happened at Christmas so, mm-hmm. and where they got stranded oh. again, so- because of course you do, because it's an extended episode. <laughs> so of course they're going to end up back on the same island. They did a Christmas episode. Santa ended up on the island and of course mm-hmm. didn't rescue them. because Inexplicable. 
inexplicable. Just like every episode, someone new ended up on the island and got away, and they yeah, never and got. And you're like, what? <laughs> terrible people. Luck do you guys have? Yeah, how terrible are people? So some of the suggestions we got from listeners. Jerry said Psych had great Christmas episodes, so did Community. That's one, Tom. I agree with you and Jerry. Community would be cool to say. McLean Slaughter wrote, not right away, but in a few years, I'd love to see a one-off Schitt's Creek Christmas special, catching up with everyone. I agree with that. They had an amazing Christmas special, which we need to get on the list. Rebecca Ball wrote, a bit niche, especially if you're not in the UK, but I want another outnumbered Christmas special and a car share one too. I don't know what either of those are. I don't know what that means. Manny Torres wrote, I miss Home Improvement, best show ever for me. Linz Liu wrote, can I choose two? According to Jim and Parks and Rec would be the two I would love to see come back for Christmas episodes. According to Jim, oh, had some pretty funny Jim. Christmas episodes. I loved that show. Me too. And Parks and Rec had some of my all-time favorite characters. This one I agree with, but in a couple of years. Modern Family, but do it a, years, a couple years from now so the young kids are older. Uh, yes, Ken Smith said yes for Home Improvement. Elmer Rudloff Jr. wrote, I also would love another Home Improvement, Improvement Christmas episode. Tim and Doc Johnson's Christmas display rivalry was legendary. Yes, it was. Also, would love another Seinfeld special or just give us a Festivus for the rest of us. Festivus for the rest of us. <laughs> Seems like The Office and Home Improvement were the two big ones that everyone picked. That a lot of people picked, if you were to just tally them up. Which, can't argue with either of them. I'd watch them. I'd watch them. In a heartbeat. So, we do have another question of the week. This time from, well, watch it, buddy. And he wrote... If you could move Christmas to any other month of the year, where would you move it to? Would you keep it in the cold winter months or move it to the hot summer months? Personally, I would move it to January because usually January is quite a depressing time of year and I feel like that would bring some joy to it. However, January might only be depressing because it's no longer Christmas. Another reason I'd like to move Christmas to one month later so that buildup can be longer, the time after Thanksgiving, although the buildup may become shorter because of New Year's, so I'm not too sure. So, interesting question. So, we have a week to ponder it. I'm curious to see what our listeners come up with. Where can they let us know what their answers are? We are always accepting carrier pigeons. So, if you can tie a little note to a pigeon. Don't you, don't you mean owls? I mean, that's an option too, but I, don't, I think we have a lot of muggle listeners, and that's just really alienating of them. If you're looking for ways to engage with us on the interwebs, you can go to tisthepodcast.com slash reddit slash facebook slash facebook group slash twitter slash instagram or slash patreon and we have conversations happening on all of those platforms pretty regularly including one we think we're going to be adding here soon that's way more fun so stay tuned so patreon as tom just mentioned is a different place than where you typically get our podcast that's a above and beyond bonus episodes we put up there where for a small donation, minimum of a dollar a month, you get access to the vault of extra content Tis the Podcast creates regularly during quarantine. There's so much junk in there now, you wouldn't even believe it because we have all the time in the world to talk in the evening. Stuff you can expect to see in there is non-Christmas stuff, um, extensions of conversations with other podcast hosts. 
over non-Christmas stuff. If you're a Batman fan, like you're really going to be digging it because there's a bunch of Batman content in there where we talked to Jerry, well, not we, where Tom and Anthony talked to Jerry Davila of Totally Rad Christmas Podcast, um, as well as when we all covered the Batman graphic novel that actually was Christmas themed. It was a delightful episode. Um, we expand into new mediums over there. We put unedited episodes of some of our longer episodes like The Office where I would have like a three hour runtime because we just quoted all the things. We also drop Thanksgiving content there. We have Halloween content there and more coming. We even have an episode where Tom had never seen the movie Clue. And so we decided to watch it and discuss it as well. Um, we also have a really fun thing there that are live watches where basically you sit down and you start Elf at the same time we start Elf and you get to listen to us have ongoing commentary on the movie as you watch it. More of that coming as well. So take a look at Patreon um, if you are interested and want to go above and beyond for a minimum of a dollar. There are different tiers. Um, and you can have access to some of that extra stuff. So if you want a sneak peek at more stuff coming up on Patreon, we just recently added the song that you heard in the outro of our anniversary special that Jerry Davila wrote for us, the Tis the Podcast song. So that's up for download if you want it. Coming up, we have a month of Halloween stuff. So once a month, once a week, for the whole month of October, you will get a new episode dropped on Patreon. Week number one, you're going to get an episode uh, in which me and Jerry Davila talk Freddy versus Jason because we couldn't decide which of the two horror icons we wanted to discuss. So we just went for the one where they're both in. The week after that, you're going to get an episode on the Scream franchise, which I recorded with April Riley, who you've heard before, Charlene Lewis, who you've heard before, and Michelle Kidwell, who you've heard in our tradition episode christmas and july episode so i'm excited to talk a movie with her the week after that you're going to get an episode on the original halloween 1978 and the 2018 sequel remake thing in which i talked to todd killian jerry davila michael crystalman and april riley about that one and then the week after that you'll get all three elves discussing beetlejuice and Sometime in October as well, you'll get our first mini episode in which we discuss chapter one of Batman The Long Halloween, which I know we're all excited for. Tom and I love that graphic novel. We're excited to see what Julia thinks of it. You'll have something for Thanksgiving. You'll have stuff for Christmas. Lots of cool, exciting stuff coming up on Patreon. Speaking of that, I want to welcome so Manny to our Tis the Podcast. Manny! Uh, Patreon family. Manny, it is great to hear you on our anniversary episode where we hear about your Christmas traditions and your new podcast, Feliz Navi Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad Merry Christmas. And we're glad to have you as a patron now. So welcome. If Patreon's not your thing and you want to support the show in another free way besides downloading it in your podcast feed every week, I'm going to point you to Tom's plea in our anniversary episode. We have been doing this for three years now. We're going into year four. We've been putting, getting a lot of extra content out there for y'all. If you like the show and want to support us, leave us a review on iTunes, Facebook, wherever you download your podcasts, because every new review helps us to spread the Christmas cheer 365 days per year. 
with the Burr months coming up and Christmas fast approaching, we'd really love you to share the show with all your friends and family because we put a lot of effort into it. So next week is exciting because we are going to have a co-host, y'all. Jerry Davila of Totally Rad Christmas will be joining us for All I Want for Christmas, the 1991 movie. And then the week after that, we are officially in the Borough Months and we will be cover- kicking them off with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which I know a lot of you have been asking us to cover for a while. Looking at you, President Hot Dog. So we are also doing Anthony and Tom's birthday month. Ooh, yeah, birthday we are. Month. So lots of things to look forward to. Not least of which is we are officially under 3,000 hours until Christmas. We are at 2,976 hours until that Christmas. is only 124 days. 17 weeks, guys. going to fly by. Bye. We've got to start doing stuff. We've got to start doing stuff. Shopping for people and then ignoring Tom's abrupt endings and uh, planning my advent activities. (laughs) That's also what she said. Hey, Ah, Julia, if you're planning your advent activities and create a shared drive of things, shared doc of things that your your family is going to do, we could share that with our listeners and with our Tom, um, who is looking for fun family COVID advent activities to do. Okay. That's a good idea. So, do your homework, y'all. Watch All I Want for Christmas. Enjoy the pumpkin spice latte that's officially back at Dunkin' Donuts. Not Starbucks yet. Another week We don't have that. Dunkin' Donuts. Thanks again for rubbing yeah. something else sad in our lives. And we will speak to you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye. Can I now say bye, or is it still too abrupt? No, you can say it now. It's okay now? Okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>